say things. Well, welcome everyone. Good to have you here. Um, my name is Candace Nichols. I'm the senior minister at the Brookline Church of Christ in Brookline, Massachusetts, which is essentially part of Boston, but its own being. So, um, very proud. It's surrounded on three sides by Boston, but Brookline is its own town. Thank you very much, they say. Um, <laughs> So I, I have been the senior minister at the Brookline Church of Christ for five years. Uh, I started in 2018, the summer of 2018. My class today is, is I've titled it All Together in One Place, How We're, how we're Re-Envisioning Community uh, and Communal Life. Um, I, I do not claim to be an expert. I am simply going to tell you our story and some of the things we've learned along the way, and we are still learning along the way. But Brookline, uh, the Brookline Church of Christ has a long history of, of relationships beyond when people are there at the church. It's, it has traditionally been a church where people came through on their way when they were working on degrees at one of the many universities in Boston. And they would come through and it became a very special place to a lot of people. And so Brookline, I, I start this by saying that Brookline has a, has a long and good um, solid relationship with its alumni network is what they call them, which I think will tie into to my story here in, in a minute. I had been at Brookline less than two years when the pandemic hit, and it started in Boston, and so we shut down early and fast, and <clears throat> the whole city was shut down, the whole town. Um, I am thankful to be a part of a, an interfaith clergy group, and we were on an email thread immediately. We were all on the same page, like all of our churches immediately, churches and synagogues and mosques all shut down right away. We at the Brookline Church of Christ were fully online for 18 months. We did not come back in person for 18 months. During that time, our community changed. It morphed, it looked different. We, of course, when we first started, had the people that lived in Brookline that had been attending Brookline. But as time went on, we started picking up other people. We were doing Zoom. That was our option. I, that was the option that I chose for our community, was to do a Zoom worship service. So we would get together on a Zoom call, and we would hear the scriptures. We would sing songs, recordings of songs. We would, I would preach. We would, we would do communion. And since this was an option that meant you didn't have to be there, we started picking up a lot of people. Families of current members who didn't have an option where they were living, either didn't have an option for a communal kind of interaction they were longing for, or had long since sort of drifted away from whatever church options were available to them. We also started picking up, again, some of those alumni, former members, who had moved away, who had such a special place in their heart for Brookline, and who hadn't found a place that, that meant the same thing to them. So we started picking up a lot of people from all over the country. And as we neared the time when we knew we were gonna start, that we were gonna reopen our doors and start gathering in person, I got countless messages from these people saying, is there any way that we can still be a part of your community? Is there any way we can still come to Brookline? And so, um, not being a techie person myself, I had to figure out what that was gonna look like. 
Brookline had always been pretty low tech. We, we don't even have a sound system because our building is small. We have a, one of those microphones that goes to one of those hearing aid device things, hearing devices, um, but that was the extent of it. We had no slides, we never used slides, we used songbooks. We, we were just low tech, low church, and here suddenly I'm faced with, I have people who live in other time zones who want to come to our church and I've gotta figure out how to do it. Um, it was a challenge and it's still a challenge. <laughs> There's still, technology is great and sometimes it's really not, right? We all know this, we've all experienced this. So when we came back in person, I had it set up. I, I mean, it, it took me about three months to figure out all the pieces. Um, I have, uh, I should have brought a picture, but I didn't, so you'll just have to picture it. I'm facing the congregation. I've got a screen with a projector, because that's what we already had. Um, and it is connected to the computer that's connected to Zoom. And so it shows on the screen to everyone in the audience what is on Zoom, including all of the people that are attending on Zoom. Then I had a second camera that I joined Zoom on, my, my old phone, and it's pointed at the audience so that people can see, so that people on Zoom can see the people in the audience. One of our members, um, one of our Zoom members, um, lovingly nicknamed those people Pew People, and so that's what we call them. <laughs> Pew People, and then the Zoom people. Um, and so that's, that's, the, that's just sort of the basic outline. Um, in our worship service, they see and interact with one another. We have a prayer time that's always been an important part of the Brookline worship service. We, we have people, uh, prayers of the people, and it's pretty early in our service. We do two prayers, a prayer of praise and a prayer of petition. And it's open for whatever anyone wants to bring forward to the group. Sometimes it's very mundane. Someone is thankful that their cat is no longer sick. Sometimes it's very profound, right? Someone is mourning the passing of a loved one. But this has always been a part of our service and it needed to continue. And it needed to be, it needed to be on both ends. The people that are on Zoom, I felt, needed to be able to hear the people in the building and the people in the building needed to be here, the people on Zoom, because we had become a community together on Zoom for 18 months. And so this is part of our communal, our communal work, is sharing our lives together. And it's hard to picture, it was hard for me to picture, how to share life with someone who lives 2,000 miles away. But we do. Somehow, it works because we share this time together. Our worship is, is a community building time. We also have the people that are on Zoom and the people in the building participate in the worship, reading scripture, leading prayers, leading the communion meditation. This is open to whoever wants to do that. And so we have this weird, it's weird, let's just call it that. It is, it is weird and it looks like nothing I've ever known. And I think maybe it's part of the future and something to think about. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. I think so too. It is really beautiful. One of the things we learned about in, that, in this time was 
how inaccessible our church was for so many. Because since we've been back in person, there are people that I have not seen in the building that I would see only ever so off, every so often before, but it turns out that they, it was hard for them to get there. Chronic health issues keep people from coming to your churches. It's not that they don't want to be there. And watching a service online is not the same thing as being part of a community. And you could say, well, they could just reach out to people. But there's something about that week-by-week -week interaction with people, sharing life, sharing the mundane prayer requests and the profound, that really makes people feel a part of a community and feel that they can then reach out to people who, if they need help or if, if they know someone who does need help. So accessibility has been a big piece of it for us, just recognizing that that there are people who want to be there who can't, and this gives them an option to be there and be a fully functioning, participating member of our community. Another piece of it is, I, I mean, I live in Boston, and I have people who are so busy. They're busy with work, with family obligations, and Zoom actually gives them an option to come more often than I saw them in person before as well. It's easy for me to sometimes slip into that preacher mentality, that minister mentality of, well, they should be here in person. This should be a priority, but who, who am I to judge, right? I don't know what's going on in their lives. I don't know what's keeping them from coming. And if they come more often because there's an option that makes it easier for them, then I don't want to shame them for that. I don't want to judge them for that. I want to make this community their community as well. This is, this is my calling, is to, to spread God's love, right? The, the message of the gospel. And if this is a way to do it that gets more people to hear that message, then I think it's a good thing. So we, I mentioned our setup. I mentioned the need for community. I think, and, and I say this as someone who lives in Boston, the home of the Cheers bar, you know, where everybody knows your name. This is a deep human need. Community is a deep human need. And so how do we meet that need? Traditionally, in our churches, it's been, well, come here and join us and be part of our community and we'll take care of you. But what if this digital way, or, and it's not the only way, please don't, please don't mishear me. I recognize that this is not gonna work for every location and for every, every situation, every context. But what if one way to do it is to expand how we are open to people, right? To expand the way people can join us. And to reach out, perhaps, to have people join us, to encourage and welcome. Because in the 18 months since we went back sort of in person and digital, we've continued to pick up people on Zoom. People who are, again, related to members or have met the Zoom members are evangelizing, if you will. <laughs> they are telling others about it and saying, you, you should come here. And so we've continued to grow. And so there's a need there, I think, that maybe the church has missed. A need for an accessible community that is a true community. And so this is what we are striving to do. Again, it... It doesn't always 
go really smoothly. <laughs> you know, the sound sometimes cuts out. That happened Sunday. We were singing along, those of us in the building, and the chat on Zoom blew up because none of them could hear the music at all. And so, pause, we have to pause and <laughs> restart everything. It's not, it's not one of those polished services. But in some ways, I think that's better for building community. And I think that's one of the benefits we have of, of being low church, sort of nimble, a nimble tradition that, that lets us do different things. And so we pause and we restart the, the song program and, we, and, we, and then we, go, we keep going. And everybody is fine. Nobody, nobody freaks out, probably because it happens very frequently. Everybody's used to it by now. Um, and one of the things that we've talked about recently and are, are still kind of struggling with is, as I said before, we, we never had slides before. We only used songbooks. But now, because of the way we project everything, the people in the building can see the same slides that the people on Zoom can see. And so there's been, we've been kind of back and forth on what is the purpose of the screen? Is it for the slides or is it for the people to see one another? So that's been, that's been sort of something we've been wrestling with, uh, partly because our projector is pretty sad and it really needs a new light bulb because you can't really read the songs. <laughs> and so we were, we've been debating about whether we want to replace it or upgrade it. And so we've been discussing about what the purpose is. But the purpose for us is community. And how do you build community? And we've expanded this. We have dinners, virtual dinners. We, we draw names. In a, in, a, in a sense, and pair up people for a month. And sometime in that month, these people get together on Zoom and share a meal together, or visit if they decide not to have a, an actual meal together. But it's a chance for people to get to know one another. It's, it's, a, it's a small group that doesn't look like any small group I was ever a part of, right? And so this is one way we do that. It has been beautiful to watch the relationships grow without our involvement, without my involvement at all. I had a couple who live in Colorado, and they were traveling to Arizona. I had another couple that's been coming who live in Arizona, who drove two hours to meet them from, for dinner. They'd never met before in person, ever. But they knew each other because of our community, because of our church. They were fellow church members, and so they went out of their way to meet with one another to have this meal together in real life. These things are organically coming out of this strange new world. The reality is, I think digital community is, is something that, that's the way of the future. I mean, I think, it's, I think it's the way of now, really, in our world. When we think about how people connect online. People connect online with people who have uh, similar interests or who are like-minded with one another. Well, why can't the church also tap into that? Why can't the church tap into that? Now, it does mean that it makes it harder sometimes to do the, the in-person things. I will confess that it's been disappointing to come to have a potluck and have, you know, five to seven people show up and there's essentially a salad, a cake, and a pie because that's what happens when seven people show up to a potluck. But we're learning to move through some of that, right? We're learning to maybe be less potluck and a little more 
planned meal together, right? It's hard when you think about the church being a place for doing community service, because that's hard to do if you're not all in one place, in physically in one place. But instead, so instead we're, we're exploring what it means to be a Christian, to be involved in your community where you are, where you happen to be. And so Sunday morning is a time when we come together to, to encourage one another, to be refreshed, to be revived, to be reminded of the good news of, of who we are, of what God has done, and what God is continuing to do in the world. And so then we encourage each individual or each family to find out ways in which they can help spread that gospel message in their unique location. So Acts 2.1 talks about the disciples being all together in one place. And I'm, I'm suggesting that in the coming decades that that may need to look different than it has always looked. We have some great technology. We have access to great technology that allows us to meet in real time, even if it's over a computer. And yes, we miss the hugs, and we miss <clears throat> hearing everyone sing, because you do have to make sure that you mute everyone on Zoom, or else this, it's all, you know, I'm sure everyone's experienced that. <laughs> but it is, there are trade-offs for the other way, right? For us, the trade-off was we didn't have people coming for a variety of reasons. Accessibility again, like I said, we didn't have people coming because of their schedules. And this way, we, we have people coming. It's just another way, I think, to be community, to be all together in one place. So I'm open for questions or Feedback? I have one question. Okay. I just came from a uh, kind of a similar thing where they were talking about Zooming and so forth. The minister there, when he came back after Zoom and he walked and got up to preach for the very first time, he looked out at his audience and he didn't recognize hardly anyone because there had been so much change. And I've seen that, you know, when we came back, I saw a lot of change. Now, there, were, there were people sitting in the audience, I, you know, said, I've been a member here for a year. Oh, okay. You know, and I grew up there. So was that your experience or do you have something similar? I mean, yes and no. When okay. we came back in person, um, there were people in the building that I'd never seen in person before. Mm -hmm. But again, because of the way we have structured the way we do it oh, and the yeah. interaction. Yeah. I knew these people. Yeah. You know, I mean we and I as a as the minister mm -hmm. and I, I mean most of my pastoral care time is emails and texts and phone calls. Mm -hmm. And it was that way before the pandemic because again, my people are busy and Boston is huge and it takes mm -hmm. forever to get anywhere. So I th this was just sort of an extension of that. Oh. So for me personally as the minister, I I did know everybody but I didn't, <coughs> some of them I had maybe not met in person before, so. Okay. Yeah. And I will also say that that sort of reminds me, if, if people join on Zoom and don't turn their camera on, I never call them out. <laughs> I just, they're the, they're the people who would come in late 
and sit on your back row and leave as soon as everything was over anyway. And I'm not going to call them out on that. <laughs> like if, if, they, if they keep themselves muted and their camera off, they are allowed to just be. There's no pressure. <laughs> but if people want to be involved and want to interact with one another, then, then that's an option that we do. Yes? Um, how is it working with classes? Have you tried that? We have done some, um, we have done some Bible classes and it's just on Zoom. That's, yeah. that's made it easier. The piece that we're, that we're still missing is children's classes. We have not quite figured out um, the best way to do that. Um, yeah. Part of that is we, we don't have a lot of kids anyway. And um, so our children's ministry before was sort of hit or miss <laughs> whether or not we had someone, any kids that Sunday or, or not. So for us, that is a piece that we've not had to really wrestle with a whole lot. Um, but it is something I'm very much aware of, of thinking about. Um, you know, if we want to expand this, it is a piece that we're, that we're gonna have to consider. But I also know that during the pandemic, that there were churches that were doing children's ministry and children's classes. Because I had a church member who said, well, we, we come here for worship, but then we go to Sunday school so that my daughter can do Sunday school at this other church. And I was like, okay, so there are ways. I'm the sole, um, sole ministry staff. I'm the sole staff person at all in my church. So it, I, I have, there's only so far it can go. <laughs> so, so far I have not been able to, to get my head around that. So did you have a question? I did. Uh, so I think Zoom is a very uh, interesting option for putting, putting it out there in the world. But uh, so unlike something like Facebook Live or uh, YouTube Live, mm -hmm. you, you get that dialogue how do you communicate with the public how they can get on your Zoom? Oh, yeah. So to, to avoid uh, the Zoom bombers that were quite prevalent, especially early in the, <laughs> early in the, Zoom, the Zoom time period, um, I, I, we, would add, we would put it on our Facebook page and on our website that if people wanted to attend, they could email me or they could email the church. We had a, a generic church email address. And then I would kind of feel them out a little bit to determine, you know. I mean, most of the time, uh, Zoom bombers aren't gonna go to that much trouble, I found, anyway, that they're gonna email and then <coughs> reply and then get a, a link to Zoom in. Um, but we did, yeah, we did put it on our Facebook page, we put it on our website. And then, because again, this alumni network that we have, we always, do newsletters two to three times a year. And so I put it in that. And that's how we picked up some of our alumni who, who didn't realize, they were like, oh, we can still come to Brookline, we're gonna, we're gonna do that. So, so we, word of mouth has been a big part of it too. The, the people who are coming on Zoom tell somebody else and then they'll tell me, hey, so-and-so, I gave so-and-so the link. And we have a wait, we do the waiting room. So they're like, if you see so -and this name in the waiting room, let them in. And so, yeah, that's one of the things we do. <laughs> uh, so our our church is considering now uh, how to facilitate more maybe like text-based conversations mm -hmm. um, and so like have one for the guys and if it's like I'm gonna go here anyone want to join me so it's uh, a little less informal do you have a anything like that at your church uh, to guide our technological uh, choices so tell me more about what you're looking for, like a, a so, like a Bible class kind of a 
uh, text-based or uh, like a no like more text, communal like text like yeah like like so just <laughs> like just text. imagine if everyone knew everyone's number yeah uh, and then we could text each other mm -hmm. if we needed help or if we wanted prayer for something um, and you could have them broken up into groups and that way you can bring new people in without exposing everyone's you know cell phone yeah. number to yeah. that new individual if they didn't want that uh, to to do that necessarily um, yes we have not really done that okay. but I know uh, my friend Tiffany does her her congregation does a lot with whatsapp okay. um, and, and there are others like signal and boxer that I that I use with other groups that I'm in that are that would would protect a cell phone number and then right. you know if, if you had an administrator especially of like a boxer group for example you can that person can add and subtract people so you know if somebody is getting it's clear that they're not a yeah, right they, they, <laughs> they can they can be removed so you would have an administrator of that particular okay. group so that would be what I'd recommend yes what about like you hit on the idea that like your primary thing you feel like is like community community your students stewarding this community like I wonder I, and I felt like this during the zoom virtual era where I was like my church wants me to hop on to their live stream and worship with them Man, if I'm clicking on a link and staring at the TV, I'm going to go to the, like, the best one there is out there, you know? And so, which I don't think is like a struggle or a scary thing, but it makes me like think, like, have you thought about ideas of like, maybe we don't even have to like come up with as much like content? Like, yeah, like, our primary thing is community, and like, maybe we could all watch somebody else's sermon. Maybe we can hop on their worship. Like, we're just bringing the people together, and that's what we're like. I don't know. Is that on your radar or yeah, conversation? It it is, and there and there were there were times when actually I, at least one time in particular that I used a recorded sermon because uh, it was it was so good. I was like, this the, I, this is better than anything I'm gonna do. Yeah. But I simply showed it as part of like our worship service, and this was our preacher, and sent him an honorarium because we <laughs> we used his recorded sermon. Yeah. But yeah, I think. But yes. with your community, like, oh, that's a sellout. We're here just for, like, you and our stuff. Or they're like, we actually don't care what the we want to do. We're just here for the community. They're, yeah, and I think that, because if I'm honest, I'm not that great a preacher. I don't think they're there for my sermons. I think they're there for the community. They're there for the pastoral care that I offer them. Um, it's not entirely accurate, but... Um, but yeah, I think to me the community part aspect of it is, is most important. Saying that, I also know that when I preach, I preach to my community. And it's not a generic sermon, right? Which sometimes happens if I'm preaching to some to a group that I don't know, or any preacher is preaching to a group they don't know. It's it's good and it's right and scriptural or sound or whatever, but it's not personal. And I think there is a piece of that that comes through even in even in preaching by a so-so preacher. <laughs> yes. I wouldn't sell yourself too short because I listened to one of your sermons. I thought it was pretty good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> My wife and I, when we were traveling, we, we looked it up and we, we listened to one of your sermons. So, yeah. But um, I was just well, one of the things that we that we do at our church is, and I was wondering about yours, is that we the church bought a Zoom account, and so many people you can distribute it. Mm -hmm. And and that helped facilitate on facilitate online prayer groups or life groups. Yeah. Um, and and actually we like I know the the men's group the prayer group that I'm a part of we still continue online. 
and uh, it's just some of it's just logistics and we have people some of the men are even while they're traveling they're zooming in on Saturday mornings yeah. so I mean do you have also a kind of a setup like that too mm -hmm. where we members do. can just use an address yes yeah so we did invest in the zoom professional <coughs> or whatever that that gives us a few options uh, and then we I mean kind of our way around it is we've got some generic church email addresses that people can use to log in on some of those so that because we can't we can't do 50 we can't afford that <laughs> but we can we can have you know five to ten and, and that works uh, you saying that reminds me that I've, I've got a, a man who's become a long-haul truck driver over the last couple of years and he was there on Sunday in the cab of his truck. <laughs> it was beautiful. It's beautiful. And he's so excited because he's like, I love my church family. I'm so glad that I, can, that I can be a part of this. So, yes. I really love what you're doing. And I, I don't know if what I'm going to share is going to be helpful to people, but just our experience, our church, we're from Oregon. It's a smaller church, maybe 150 max on Sunday morning. Anyway. During pandemic, we started a Zoom life group. We call it a small group. We have about 11 people. It's still going. And, and people consider that their community. Um, and because it's small, like I said, about 11, there's everyone has everyone's phone number and text and email. And they, they share a lot during the week. And our time is actually focused on prayer and sharing, life sharing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's amazing we have one person clear in Arkansas we have people in different towns around Oregon who would never come together right. but anyway I just want to affirm what you're doing mm -hmm. is it, it can work and it, it can, can really surprisingly create community yeah I, the the fact that we came became a community was I think the most surprising part of it for me was oh we don't we don't actually have to always be here together in, in the same room for a, for us to be community yeah, we and we are we are lucky enough to be pretty small in general. So we we haven't reached that boundary where we have to kind of break it up into smaller to, to be able to share. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely on the horizon if we can. Uh, I'm I'm her husband. Uh -huh. and, <laughs> uh, it we're if you're from a larger congregation, I would really recommend that you stop thinking in terms of having to be forced into the congregational where you have to do everything according to the rules of the congregation because we started and the very first thing that, that the man who started our group who incidentally is no longer a member of it because of other reasons but he said my emphasis is going to be on community and prayer and if we have any time left over we will do bible study and the very first night i had like I, I was a tech person. We had 30 people show up. By the end of the third week, we were down to a core group of about eight, which eventually grew into this group that, that Mel was talking about. And I, yeah, I did tell my elders what we were doing, and they were glad that I was doing that. But the whole idea of having a, um, a life group that wasn't focused on Bible study was just not the way they wanted to think. And I caught some heat over that and I said we're going to do what we do and and that has really for us has worked out we've had uh, one wedding 
I guess one adoption um, uh, middle-aged woman never had family adopted by an older group you know so <clears throat> anyway it's very different and very special and something I don't think would ever have happened at the building so I mean, I just, I think our world is hurting for relationships and community. It is. There is an epidemic of loneliness. And if the church can step into that and provide a place for people to belong and have community, I, I think that's what we're called to do. Absolutely. As far as the kids' classes, um, so I go to see Patricia Price, which is a far from here, and then pandemic we don't have a lot of kids and I, I have I have three so it's like half the church's kids are like mine um, well like Cameroon and Mr. Christ did online zoom classes for the kids and basically what we did was just one mom took over every Sunday you know and then um, and kids it's so easy you do a song a lesson a prayer and, and they're just so happy to just and they get to look at each other and of course like you know for my youngest just being on the computer was exciting you know and he loved that and it was really nice it was it made a big difference for us and then we got to connect with the Camarillo Church of Christ, which is one very small town over, and it worked out really well for us. Yeah, and it was I, fairly easy. The kids are just so easy to. Yeah, and they're so like adept at technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is their native language, yeah, and they're like, sure, okay, yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas some of us are figuring out as we go along. Yeah, we did Zoom. That's what we did. Yeah, everybody got to interact and talk yeah. to each other. And again, I know that in like a bigger church, it might not be possible to do a Zoom worship. But small groups, ways to, to do this to, so that more can be included. I guess that's the piece that I keep coming back to is that accessibility piece of, of who is being excluded if we're only doing it this way? And who can we include if we do it a different way? You know, we never start on time. Sorry, I'm, I'll get it. <laughs> we never start on time because everyone is chatting. Like this is this is our community, and then often the people on Zoom will stay and start keep chatting with each other, or keep someone will come up to the <laughs> to the computer from the building and chat with everybody. And this, I mean, it's just like church, right? Like can't start on time because everybody's too busy talking. Okay, I have questions over here. When when you said that you're trying to determine what you put on the screen, so I'm hearing in Zoom, you guys project on the screen the people that are, are on Zoom, so they're in the room with you now. Yes, so yeah. So then sometimes you can see them, and sometimes the, the works of songs up there, so you're trying to figure out what right. is the priority on the screen. Right, because we, you know, when it was only on Zoom, I would just share screen so that everyone could see the song, because that was, so that everyone could sing along, and people, people do sing along at home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would share screen, and the, the song would be on the screen and people would sing along. Well, coming back in person, we kind of did the same thing. We just, I just essentially hooked up the projector to my computer and whatever was on my computer is what everyone in the building was saying. And so then when I would share screen for the people on Zoom to see the song, it just sort of, people were like, oh, look, it's right there. I don't have to pull out the book, which is, which is fine. But, but yeah, we're still kind of wrestling with that uh, piece of, you know, is it, is the purpose of this to facilitate worship in general, or is it to have this communal aspect? 
I mean, the awkward part of it is if you're sitting in a church, you're not looking at someone's face usually, you're looking at the back of their head, and so it, it does, there are some awkward pieces there that were, you know, just come with it, but it just comes with it. Um, I will recommend if you do this, we discovered this pretty recently, um, that you highlight whoever's preaching and not just leave it on the group because people will either turn off their cameras or look like they're about to fall asleep or get up in the middle because they're at home and they can go get themselves some more coffee and it, it can be. Well, I discovered that when we were just on Zoom and I was preaching, it was so distracting to watch people do all that, that I started pulling up just a document that I looked at so that I was not actually looking at anybody in the building or in the, on the Zoom screen. So, um, But yes, so that's, to me, the, the purpose of the, of the projection of the, of the screen is, is for that one communal and not so much facilitating worship, if that makes yeah, sense. We live stream, but we don't necessarily know who's joining us. So yeah. Zoom makes it more communal. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So communal prayer that you guys do, did um, has that been something you've been doing for a long, long yeah. time? Okay. Yeah. And how does that, that look like? Um, well, so when I, when I first got there, I mean, they, they've always done prayers of people, communal prayer. It used to be prayers for the church and then prayers for the world. So it was like individuals who had needs or family of individuals who had needs. And then we'd pray for the wider world. And then one of our teenagers said, man, prayer time's always so depressing. <laughs> like, oh yeah, actually it is. And to encourage us to be a thankful people, we shifted it. So we do prayers of praise and then prayers of petition and it can be wide. So we open it up and we just say, it's time for our prayers. And does anyone have something that they're thankful for this week? Does anyone have a praise that they want to lift up? And if it's cricket, someone eventually says the weather or <laughs> the flowers or, you know, our, the people who lead our prayers don't let it. There, something's going to be said, <laughs> for one thing. But it, but it can be something as simple as that. And, but it, for us, it, anyway, it reminds us to be thankful for even the, even the weather or the flowers. Uh, and then we switch, the, I mean, that prayer is worded, amen, then we move into prayers of petition, and people will share, either they'll unmute themselves on Zoom and share, or they'll, if they're in the building, they'll just raise their hand and speak, or some people will put it in the chat if they're not, if they're on Zoom and don't want to unmute. Does that, yeah. does that answer your question? Yeah. 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 I love the sharing aspect, and I mean, that's this, this is one of the value parts of us being together, Yes. the sharing. And it, to me, that's how you get to know people, right? I mean, what, what is weighing on someone's heart? Or what is, what is someone excited about? You get, kind of get to know someone that way. And so I, it's been vital. It's been a vital part of our, of our community for years and years and years anyway. So, yes. So does that just naturally fall in as restricted time? I mean, like our 11 people take an hour and a half to share and pray for each other. <laughs> and, which is beautiful, but in a large group you can't. So I'm just curious how you keep it from going. It, it just sort of naturally, it naturally happens. Does. Um, I think because everyone knows it's just it's a part of the service. Yeah. Um, I think if we had a service dedicated just to that, it could go longer and people would share more. Um, but as as it stands, people kind of recognize it's it's still 15 minutes probably of our of our worship service. Um, and and we always do the Lord's prayer afterwards. We recite it together. So it's. It's kind of three prayers. It's a praise, petition, Lord's Prayer, and that's just 
it's kind of a rhythm that we have in our in our liturgy for that. Other questions? I appreciate your participation, and I am always open to feedback. Uh, if anybody has tips on what you're doing, I would love to hear it. Um, if you would like to hear more about what we're doing, I would. Yes. One more. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so whenever we were remote, uh, in particular when the pandemic started. It was very, very difficult for the people facilitating that, for the pastor and the worship uh, minister, because mm -hmm. it was the two of them, yeah. week after week after week after week. Yes. Um, and you're apparently a one-woman army, and uh, I just wanted to know if you had any, any tips or uh, advice on how to not feel discouraged uh, when you feel like you are doing it all yourself and the only growth you see are not even people around you? Um, I haven't quite figured that one out yet, actually. Because okay. <laughs> okay. it, it is discouraging. Yeah. It can be really discouraging. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to sugarcoat what we do. It is. It can be discouraging. It can be discouraging. The second Sunday that we were back in person, no one showed up except for two visitors and me. That was hard. Yeah. I cried for a long time afterwards, right? <laughs> I, it, it is, so I, for me, it's, I'm try, I try to reshape what I'm, what my expectations are, and, I mean, it's, it's hard because our notion of success in the world is how many people and, or how much money, and instead I'm, I try to shift my focus to faithfulness, and right. are people growing as disciples? Um, it's not easy to do, but that's, that's kind of where I've, landed recently is, is thinking about, I mean, I, I baptized a young woman on Sunday who discovered us on Zoom, and she lived locally and now comes, but the, her first time to visit was on Zoom, because I think it was a safe way for her to visit. And I baptized her on Sunday. That was, I mean, to me, that's a, that's a faithfulness piece or a, a growth in discipleship, if that makes sense at all. But that's not just a generic non-answer. Any other? I was just going to say, I feel like it's a good natural thing because like even my church, which is a larger church in Tennessee, like ideally, I guess they'd love to say like, we're for the community, we're a neighborhood church, but like all those days are kind of gone for lots of churches anyway. And yeah. if you look around our building, it's like, okay, maybe a third of them drive like 15 minutes, but there's people who are driving like an hour and 45 minutes. And so it's like, okay, Zoom, driving an hour, right. ain't nobody going to their down street church anymore. Right. Not many yeah. people. Some, some, people, some, maybe, but not, yeah, yeah, like not that, very many. That kind of gone. Yeah. So whether it's a car or Zoom, like, yeah, it's cool. We're all know, trying to bloom where we're planted, even yeah. if it's casting a way bigger net than it used to be. Yeah. And then, and what's, and what's the purpose of the church? Is it, is it just to door knock and get more people in the building, or is it to be God's hands and feet in the world, where you are, without any expectation of? Mm -hmm. Repayment doesn't. I mean, to me, that's that's sort of a it's a shift, right? So I'm 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 helping to form disciples who are going out to do God's work in the world, and the fruit will come from that. But that's not the focus. If that makes sense. Sounds crazy. <laughs> I know. Wild. <laughs> I did have a advice, and this I'm yeah. saying it now yeah. because uh, y'all are all ministers, or at least very caring individuals. Uh, <laughs> that there's an app called Glue, 
G-O, G-L-O-O. Okay. That uh, it says 23,000 churches uh, have been using it. And it's for ministers, and basically uh, what it does is it's an, it's an online avenue for people who are needing help, uh, maybe counseling, maybe they're depressed, maybe they're looking for a church. And it then pairs them with a pastor who's on that service who then can minister to them. I love that. Uh, and we, we've had one visitor in three months come from it, but even beyond that, he's been able to help people <laughs> uh, and, and, give, and give counseling to that. And I, I think it's free. Okay. Uh, so G-O-L-O-O. Um, and all the people that you talk to are in your zip code. Oh, that's nice. Like, it's yeah. something to look into. Absolutely, thank you. G-O-L-O-O. G-L-O-O, glue. Anything else? Thank you all for coming. I, uh...